Friends, I'm just saying, if your hearts are not overflowing, I don't know what will make them overflow. It's hard to imagine what can be more powerful in a way than, than a thing like this. If some of you wonder, who in the world is this guy standing up here? My name is Preben Wang. I'm the pastor here during this interim period. And we're just so, so excited to worship with the children in a special way. Not that we don't do that every Sunday, but this was a special children's Sunday. And I want to kind of highlight that a little bit. We won't have time for a full sermon this morning, and I'm sure that if you look at your clocks, you're pretty happy about that. <laughs> but a few words, and let me just remind you the old Jewish expression of faith that is still to this day, as it has been through thousands of years, expressed by all faithful Orthodox Jews. This is how it goes, Shema Yisrael, and in English it goes like this, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And now listen. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. That wouldn't be too bad, friends. Although I don't see too many Orthodox Jews out here in this congregation, it wouldn't be too bad for you to start your morning like that, yes? This is Children's Sunday. That also means that this is a Sunday where we look forward. How do I say this? in a fast, succinct way, I'm just going to say it straight up. When they grow up to be your age, they are not going to worship the same way you are. And that's actually a good thing because the gospel always wants to reach people around where the Christians live in the way that it is understandable to them. Our task, therefore, is not to instill in our kids specific methods or specific forms of worship. That would kind of bind them in a way and isolate them. Instead, our task is to teach them the gospel. Our task is to give them a foundation that is rock solid, that will not move us. Have you seen sometimes when they hammer down these, these steel posts, they keep hammering and hammering and hammering and hammering, and it goes down 300 feet sometimes until it hits, what? Bedrock. Something that will not sink, will not move, and whatever else that is built on top of that will stay strong. It will not crack. The ground will not give in because it is founded on bedrock. I don't know how often that happens 
in East Texas, but you know, I lived in Florida for a while, and there they did it on just about everything, right? Because it's just sand. They had to get down to bedrock. I was thinking about speaking just for a few seconds this morning on, on pillars. What really carries the church by being Christ-centered, by being community-focused, by being mission-oriented. But I thought, why this Sunday? I would probably want more time to unpack that fully and so this Sunday, let me just talk to you a little bit about what it means to actually be driven by the gospel. If we have uh, a little slide, I'll kind of talk through that really quick in many ways here. I'll just talk about First Baptist Church and the gospel and how that can be surrounding everything because this is the Sunday we look forward. We are gospel inspired that points to our foundation gospel inspired think about this for a moment that means that we are inspired by Christ's work on the cross and we resolve to build on this foundation alone we said earlier that the children are going to grow up here and they're going to see parents and we want to support parents in raising these children. I hope these children would come to church and they will find parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts in the kind of big family sense of that term that all of you think I have a responsibility to raise these kids. They need to find love right here. The parents job to do the specific raising but they need to meet a wonderful, warm, loving home right here. Smiling, embracing, caring, whatever you want to call them, grandparents and uncles and aunts and friends and so on. Yes? It's about the gospel. We resolve to build on this foundation alone. Not a lot of other foundations. There are many tr things that people try to make the foundation. The gospel foundation. Let me press on with this here and just simply talk about the next point here. We are gospel empowered. And I want to say this speaks to our present needs. We do not worship a once upon a time type gospel where the only, ones we, well, only thing we can say is that once upon a time God did something. He is working in, a lot, in our lives right now. In the strongest of sense, we, we recognize our constant need for Christ's empowering, empowering presence. And we resolve to seek it in everything that we do. You know, these things sound somewhat common, maybe familiar to many of us. But that's not necessarily the same as it being truly lived out, is it? Truly filling our sense. As we just read from Deuteronomy, when we sit down, when we stand up, when we lie, when we walk everywhere, we will teach our children to know the gospel and its power and how it impacts everything. 
as I've said so many times by now, not only do we need it, this area needs it. This world needs it. And that brings me again uh, way too fast here to the third point I want to say on this. And this could almost be like a mission statement, if you will, gospel-inspired, gospel-empowered, and gospel-envisioned. That means that we see the gospel as that which guides our paths toward the future. What guides your path toward the future? So our vision is clear. It is to live in the presence of God's kingdom and we resolve to work tirelessly until we see every knee bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Easy words to say, friends, yes? But is this not a reminder? Give it 20 years and a whole lot of those who are here today will be replaced as the adults in the pews by those who are standing right here and hopefully a whole lot of other folks, yes? And what can we give? Not do it this way, but build on this foundation. The gospel is it. I want to bring you to Moses and just say a very fast word again on, on having your burning bush moment. I'm pretty convinced that that is what lies behind an experience of this central theme of the gospel I just spoke. If you look through scripture, you will find that from the beginning there was a special visitation by God. Whether you go to Abraham and him being called the father of all those who believe or go to, to uh, Jacob, both at the beginning of his life, even after he's proven himself to be a little more than just a trickster and a con artist. And he meets with God first in his earlier life by a dream of a ladder and then his ladder life meeting up with God at the river Jabbok. You can read about that. Find it yourself. Just Google those words and I'm sure that will come up. And then we get to Moses, probably the largest, greatest, most incredible leader that we have at this time in God's kingdom. A visitation. God has been preparing him and now the preparation culminates in a burning bush moment. Can I read from you, uh, with you uh, from Exodus chapter 3? Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and had led a flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from, the, from within the bush. Moses saw that through the bush, although the bush was not on fire, it did not. I need to reread that. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight 
Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Friends, have you been there? Have you had that moment? It's not a rhetorical question. I actually am asking you this. That moment where you knew I'm on holy ground. God is visiting with me. I got to take my shoes off. You know, a lot of people are pretty comfortable with Egypt. We kind of know how it is there. It's not too good, but it, at least I'm in control. I know a little bit of what's going on. Or being just staying in the desert. No sooner had God led him to the edge of the Sea of Reeds, out of Egypt, and they were being haunted by the Egyptian army. And then listen to what they say to Moses right here. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out here, out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you already in Egypt, it would have been better if you left us here. Let us just serve the Egyptians. Amazing. Can you even fathom that? And we say, no, that was crazy. But I wonder, why not just stay where we are? The children remind us there ain't no way to stay where we are. Yes? We want to see them sitting on these very places, these very pews, or in some larger place that they have built right here because they have so spread the gospel that everybody comes to meet with the Lord. It is too easy to be comfortable with what we know so well. Even can we just stay in Egypt? For crying out loud sentences like that leaps back in our faces when we see that. You know, even for Moses, he was pretty comfortable in Egypt. He didn't have to go with them. They were slaves. He was not. He was 80 years old. Not like a spring chicken anymore. But he was looking for God's call, God's purpose. And he said, Lord, let me give what I have for you. Seeking purpose. Eagerly asking God for direction. You can only fathom he's walking in the desert, not tending to sheep. What was he thinking? He was 
praying to God for direction and purpose. God had given him so many gifts, so much opportunity. He said, how can I use it for you, Lord? And then God says, take off your shoes. I'm going to meet with you. He had his burning bush moment. I wonder if you're seeking for yours. You know, it doesn't just happen. It could, but usually it doesn't. It happens when you seek the Lord. I want to read to you from evangelist, the 19th century, many of you will know him, D.L. Moody, shoe salesman. And God met with him. And he had tremendous, tremendous what we would call success in his ministry for the Lord. But he was not satisfied just with this. He had to meet with God. He wanted his holy fire moment. Here's what he says. I was crying out all the time to God that he would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom even refer to it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke for 14 years. I cannot, I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Can you imagine? You meet God in such a way, say, God, it's enough. Stay your hand. Looking for that burning bush moment. And it came. And everything changed. And I want to challenge you here in this moment. This can be true at First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. Imagine this. If anything should inspire us to go home and lay before God and cry out like the other Moody says here, would you, Lord, fill me with your presence? It should be those kids that we just watched. Imagine what would happen if not just one, but two and three and four and maybe most of us, if not all of us, came to take off our shoes because we have met with God. We had our burning bush moment. Can we ask God to do this? Can we? Not only for our sake, but for our children's sake. And not only for our children's sake, but for all those around us' sake. Indeed, for our world's sake. I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't know that I've ever asked anyone to do before, but I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm asking you to respond. Imagine what would happen if we as a church
came before God, just got out the aisle and, and moved a little bit so we could toward his front and just said, we, let's just have a moment of prayer as a church to ask for God's burning bush moment right here. I'm going to stand here before what we call the altar. We don't really have an altar in the Baptist church, but we still call it that. If anyone will join me, just come on down. We can't all fit down here, but we can crowd, crowd the aisle and just say, we want to spend a moment talking to God about this. It won't be long, just a few moments. Just come on. <clears throat> At least take off our shoes. Speak to us, Father. To parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, friends. May we cry out for the sake of our own hearts and our own testimony, our own home. But far beyond that, Father, for our own city and our own area and even our own world. We need a burning bush moment. Would you visit with us? Even when we get home, when we get up, put our hand to whatever work we have during the day when we walk, when we come home, when we sit down and lie down. Help us seek you. 